Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I am Nikki Cross from the future. I'm recording this about 170 episodes in. We're currently in June 2023 and I just thought I'd record an introduction to my earlier episodes for the simple reason my sister was at breakfast the other day in a cafe and she overheard a lady saying to her friend, I have just found the Inner Work Conversation. It's really, really useful. I'm going to go right the way to the beginning and work my way through the episodes. And it immediately made me want to try and contact this lady who I have no idea who she is and be like, no, don't do that. Because this this podcast, it's been going for a few years. And during that time, I have grown. I have changed. I have evolved. I have grown more confident in my abilities and in my competence, not just in my podcasting abilities, but also in what I do with my clients. I've become much more sure about who I best work with, who I best serve, and how we can best have conversations around the topics that are meaningful to the people who I work with. And so it makes me want to go, oh God, no, listen to the more recent episodes. That's where you're going to get your best value. That's where you're going to get your best insights. And it also, to be honest, makes me go, oh, in those older episodes, I sound different. I sound different because I was trying really hard. I was trying really hard to be liked and accepted. I was trying really hard to find my place in this in this space. And I think it comes through. I think that you can hear that. And I'll be honest, there's some old, old episodes that I've gone back and I've thought, oh, that, that's made me cringe or I actually disagree with myself. And so it leaves me with the question, why wouldn't I take the old episodes down? And my simple answer is this. As we all navigate life and business, we all evolve and we all grow. And there is always going to be an older version of us that we wish we'd have said things differently or we wish we'd have done things differently. Like for example, at the beginning of my business, I wish that I'd have been much more confident in who I worked with and how I can serve them and really back in my own, you know, opinions around certain things. But I can't go back. None of us can. None of us can go back to a previous version of ourselves and rewrite time. And so I'm leaving all of my older episodes in for one reason only. And that is because I want you to take these older episodes and take them for what they are, a demonstration of someone growing and evolving and learning in public. And I I say all of this and I introduce this episode with the hope that that not only inspires you, but also helps you to give yourself permission to grow and evolve and learn in public. So many of us just won't put ourselves out there for fear that it's not going to be good enough and you know it's not going to be right and when i when i listen back to my original my my initial podcast episodes it's not good enough and it's not right by my standards now but it was back then everyone has to start somewhere we all have to start somewhere we can't just rock up to something and be who we want to be or have the quality that we want to have from day one. So with what you're about to listen to, please, please know that as these podcasts, as the numbers roll on, the more me you will hear me get, but that's the more me now. Yeah. And that's not to say that there isn't value and insight in these older episodes. It's just letting you know that this is my version of growing and evolving out loud. So with all that said, let's get into the episode. Welcome to episode 25 of the Inner Work Conversation. 
a podcast dedicated to making sure you feel empowered and reassured that you are totally not alone. I'm Nikki Cross, founder and CEO of Thrive Life and Business, and in today's episode, I wanna share with you four tips on how to be more intentional with your time and stop it from getting constantly hijacked. Before I dive in, I want to say thank you so much for the recent reviews of this podcast over in iTunes, and I want to share one of them that I've picked out for you today by 394 Woods, which reads, listening to these podcasts as I do my daily walk, and I find myself responding to the questions that Nick asks. Each episode resonates as the topics are so real, a great listen, and you can take away so much from them. I'm really grateful to receive this feedback and I am learning how to extend my reach with the podcast to get it into the ears of more leaders who it might help. So because of this, each month I've decided I'm going to pick out one review and I'm going to contact that person and gift them with one of the resources that I've mentioned in the episodes. So this could range from a book that I've mentioned or an audible or even a free month's access to Thrive Together. So please continue to leave reviews over on iTunes, but if you're not on iTunes, you can tag me on social media. I will count that too. And by the way, 394 Wood, if you're listening, thank you so much for taking me on your daily walks with you. It's a bloody privilege. (laughs) If you get to the end of this episode and think... Yes, this is exactly what I need. This is exactly the kind of support that I need. There are other episodes that I'd recommend you listen to. I would recommend that you listen to number 21 after this episode called Busy, Burnt Out and Over It and also episode 22 on people pleasing Um, and actually episode 18 on procrastination depending on what you feel like you need to listen to after this episode. So without further ado, let's dive straight in. So every week inside Thrive Together, we run power planning. So part of power planning is connecting to your goals so you can identify your HVAs, your high value activities, so that you can actually plan, so that you can actually make progress towards your goals at the same time as getting shit done, you know? So each week we take the core concepts of my power planning training and we apply them to set ourselves up for a great week ahead. And I know that my Thrive Together members will be tuning into this thinking, it is the best way to start the week. And it is, it really is. But this week, I ask them to get really honest. I wanted to know who from those who were on the live call actually made it through to Friday of the previous week, still feeling connected to their overarching goals? And the answer was, not many. And if I'm honest, it was a loaded question because I already knew the answer. That's why I asked it. (laughs) And even if you're listening to this, not a Thrive Together member, the same goes for you. How often do you start your week thinking, right, this is it. I'm going to have the best week. It's going to be really productive. I'm going to smash your goals only to blink. And then it's Friday again, leaving you feeling deflated, bitter and resentful of the time that seems to have just been hijacked from your week, you know, because for a lot of you, the things that get in the way of progressing towards your goals are actually in the here and now, the things that need to be done, the actual work, the emails, the calls, the dogs that have got to be walked, the unplannable things, the phone calls that start with, can I just have two minutes? Can I just pick your brains? (laughs) And I know you know what I mean as well. I might have recommended it before, I can't remember, but 
in the book The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, it's a fantastic book for founders and business owners. It's a real eye-opener. And in the book, he talks, in chapter two, he talks about the three people that you always are in your business. And this will go for you if you're a business owner or you're responsible for a team or a department or a function. He calls them the entrepreneur, the manager and the technician. And I like this concept a lot. I've read this book a couple of times now. Um, And so much so that I've actually used this concept inside of a module in Thrive Together called Leading High Performance. It's in the resources section, if you remember. But I don't use the same titles as him. I like to refer to them as entrepreneur, manager and worker. Anyway, regardless of what you call them, there are real benefits to learning about these three roles. And from learning about them, you realise that you are in constant inner conflict when you learn that you actually you're all three you know you're stepping into dreaming big and setting big goals and being the visionary all the way through to managing your time and assessing risk and then doing the do actually doing the work you know so to put it simply the entrepreneur is the dreamer the visionary the big thinker the manager is the planner the pragmatic one, the organiser, the one that keeps us all in check. And then the worker, they just want to get the job done. They just <laughs> they just want to do the work. They're detail-orientated. They're happy when they're busy. They don't class thinking or working on the business, not in it, as actual work. Um, and I know that for some of you who have made the transition from worker, actually, into leader in the team that you used to be in and therefore have inherited your colleagues as your team members, this will play out for you in an even bigger way. But anyway, each day you are having this internal battle and that's only with yourself. On top of that, then when we then when we bring in other people in your life and in your business, you know, from your parents who are shit at technology and call you for five minutes to ask you to fix the thing on their iPad or your dog who won't stop looking at you until you take him for a WALK. I'm not gonna say the word, right? Because if I say the word, two things will happen or potentially two things will happen. My dogs will think that it's happening. And if your dogs are listening to this, your dogs will also think it's happening and that's not fair. So yeah, your dog, your dog won't stop looking at you for a WALK. Your kids need and want your attention. Your team need just two minutes and two minutes and two minutes. Can I just, can I just bend your ear? Can I just ask you a quick one? All these minutes, they all add up. The 562 mails that are coming into your inbox each day, the insurance that needs to be renewed tomorrow, it goes on and on and on. And all of these things hijack your time. So by the time it rolls around to Friday, you're a million miles away from that big picture you started off as. You're just about holding your shit together, actually. <laughs> so what annoys you is you feel exhausted. You know, you've done so much. You haven't stopped but you also haven't gotten very far either. It's unrelatable. <laughs> it likely will. It might even feel like I'm talking directly to you. And this is not because I've got cameras watching you. It's because you are so not alone in this struggle. The thing with planning, and people realise this in Side Thrive Together, the members have noticed it's not actually, really, it's not actually about the productivity methods. It's not. It's not about the planning that support you or fuck you over. There are actually different things that are more at play in terms of getting this right. And they are so much more to do with your mindset. They are.
when it comes to using your time intentionally. I talk a lot on my socials. In fact, I usually sign off my posts with have an intentional day and I really mean it. But I also understand it's not easy. It's easy to say have an intentional day, but it's not as easy to actually do. So one thing that will always come into play, and I I can't not mention this, but I'm definitely not going to labour on it, um, is goal setting. If you get that part of it wrong, then I'm not surprised that your week's going to shit. (laughs) And if you want some more listening on that, because I'm really not going to let, that's not what this episode is about. Head on over after this episode to episode 19, three reasons why you avoid goal setting. Head on over there. But the main thing that impacts how we use our time most is our mindset and our boundaries. And that's where I really want to hone in on this episode today. So with that in mind, I want to make this episode as jam-packed of value as I can to make sure there really are some takeaways that you can implement straight into your week. So I've structured this episode into four tips to keep it concise and helpful. But I'd love to hear from you if you feel like actually there's something I've just touched the surface on in this episode and we could go deeper. Let me know if you feel like actually there's something I've completely missed out. Talk to me. Let's discuss it. Let me go into more detail. So contact me if you want any more, but let's go into the four tips that I've prepared for you for this episode. Okay, so the first tip is assess your relationship with time. I'm going broad and then I'm going to narrow in. And the first thing that I want you to do is actually think about your relationship with time. Now, this initial tip actually links into the last tip. So as tempting as it might be to just listen and nod, don't skip it. How do you feel about time? Do you feel abundant? Do you feel like, well, probably not if you're listening to this episode. (laughs) Do you feel like you never have enough? I know that you might not have even considered your relationship with time before, but seriously, when you think about time, what words spring to mind? I'm asking you this because your thoughts around your relationship with time will drive your words and your actions. Let me give you an example. I used to work in an office where on the surface, the values of the business seemed pretty healthy, the normal types of values that you can imagine the corporate business would have. But when you lifted the lid, if you were a fly on the wall sat in a manager's meeting, for example, you could tell that people were wanting to do one thing and one thing only, and that was please the big boss. Now, the big boss was a great guy. He was, he was a great guy, but he carried a confidence that didn't need words, a confidence that intimidated many, and equally, many others were just in awe of him. But what was very apparent is through his words and his actions and the way that he compensated people and the way he recognised people, what was very apparent is his appreciation of hard work. And this echoed through the business. So as you were walking through this, like physically as you were walking through this business, all you would hear all day, every day is, hi, Steve, how are you? You busy? And then Steve would reply, oh yeah, I'm very busy, very busy. And then Steve would roll his eyes and wipe his brow and hurriedly shuffle along back to his desk. If you looked... Anywhere, everywhere, everyone was busy. And but, and you know, probably know what I'm going to say by now, were they busy doing good work, intentional work, meaningful work, work that actually was connected to the overarching goals, or were they just busy? You know, they were just busy a lot of the time. 
busy with busy tasks. And that's because that's what they thought the big boss wanted them to be doing. That's what they thought the big boss wanted to see, you know, and their progression and their promotion and how they were perceived by the big boss was based on how busy they seemed. And my point here is the belief was it's important to be busy. Busy equals productive, productive equals important, and important equals good. And those beliefs inform the words and the actions and on and on and on. And I want you to take a really hard look at the relationship that you have with time. Maybe even journal around this. What language do you use? How do you feel about it? You know? And this leads me on to Actually, I don't want to go too far into this because it leads me into my next tip. Tip number two. Tip number two, in the words of the true icon, Elsa from Frozen, let it go. (laughs) Seriously, let that shit go. Um, Let me give you some context. If you've done tip one, if you have identified in so many words what your relationship with time is and you have identified through that that you feel like a victim of time. So it might sound like, well, you know, things on my plate are completely out of my control or I, you know, I just can't not respond to the abundance of opportunities that are coming in all at once. You know, if these projects aren't completed, I won't get my bonus or um, it's not actually me, it's them, it's other people. Now, don't get me wrong, I totally understand life throws curveballs, I get that, but I refuse to accept that you are constantly catching a curveball, and I want you to refuse that notion too. (laughs) One of my lovely one-to-one clients, who is also a Thrive Together member, contacted me the other week, and in their personal progress log it was, and I could tell that they were on the edge. What they were explaining is how coming out of COVID and how coming out of lockdown, things in their business had ramped right up. But at the same time, they had absenteeism. They had sickness. They had people on annual leave, which obviously has been accrued over the time where lockdown has been um, happening. And a couple of other updates, like opportunities that they were inundated with and things like that. But in their words, they felt done and over it, and overwhelmed, and at the same time, they completely lost their motivation, and felt shame, again, in their words, because they were meant to be the leader, I do have permission to share this, by the way, but that's the thing, when we lose motivation, isn't it, we want to wait till we feel motivated again, but I'll tell you something, it's not very often I feel motivated to go to the gym, and very rarely do I feel like it. But five minutes in, I feel like it more than I did when I was in my cozy bed. Anyway, back on topic, the thing I noticed about the language that they were using, they genuinely felt like a victim to time. They genuinely did. And when we dug deeper, we uncovered the root, which could be summarized like this. She was people pleasing. She was not pushing back and she was not saying no. She was taking on too much So on top of the unexpected absenteeism, she had decided to take on not one, but two new projects that week that were, yes, desirable and nice to have, but not essential. She had thrown out her boundaries, completely gone out the window, working 
lunches, evenings, five o'clock in the mornings. She was also working off a to-do list. That's a big no-no, especially if you are a Thrive Together member. We don't work off to-do lists. That's not what we do. Our to-do lists go in our calendars. And lastly, she clearly felt like she was doing more to be more. She was linking her self-worth with her productivity levels. And all of that compounded was driving her into the ground. So what we had to work on was what did she need to let go? These things, they're so dangerous because when it's just us, we can hide behind our own bullshit. We can hide behind the notion that it all has to be done now. And we can claim that we're doing it from a good place, a considerate place. And this can make us a victim of time. We are no longer in control of time. We are just a bitch to our to-do list. We are just at the mercy of whatever gets dropped on our desk in that moment, right? And what this also means is we don't have to do the things that require courage, such as saying no, such as pushing back, setting and upholding boundaries, letting them go through the discomfort of figuring it out rather than asking you. This is why you have to let go. I'm going to cover boundaries and letting them suffer the discomfort in another point, in another tip. But in tip two, what I really want to hone in on is you have to let go. If you constantly find yourself taking over, getting involved in what's not yours, taking on tasks to be the hero, reaching for another project to work on, another course to do, another book to read, more and more and more and more, then you have to stop and ask yourself, what is it that I need to let go of? Because you will say to me, I feel like my time is just being hijacked. My answer to you would be a question. What is it that you need to let go of? And only you will know why you're taking on too much. Only you will know that. And then not just taking on too much, then taking on too much and then a little bit more for good measure. (laughs) But only, and as I say, only you will know why you're doing that. But the main reasons that I have seen are, number one, thinking that doing more is being more. It's not. Two, taking it off them because it's just fucking easier to do it yourself. (laughs) And again, it's not in the long run. We just feel like that in that moment. We are doing it to avoid the difficult stuff, like I said, setting and upholding boundaries, having those difficult conversations. But we're also doing it because we're craving acknowledgement. We want to be seen as important and busy, you know? We could be doing it to avoid the tasks that require courage. We could be getting involved in things that really don't need you to be getting involved in because you want to increase the level of perceived control that you think that you have. And that is normally fueled by low levels of trust, both in yourself and in others. But as you can probably tell, some of this stuff, it's really deep inner work. It's the mindset stuff and the limiting beliefs that we might have inherited way back. I'm talking childhood. And this is the kind of work that I would do with my one-to-one clients. This is the deeper work. But the other stuff, the not mindset stuff, the practical stuff, this is what we address inside Thrive Together. As part of power planning, here's what we do. I'll share this with you. We first put in our non-negotiables. 
So when we power plan, we reflect on the week before and there's quite a bit to that. But then when we move into planning for the week ahead, we first plan in the things that have to be done, our obligations, you know, your health, well-being, fitness, relationships, mindfulness, you. (laughs) We next plan in our personal obligations. So things like caring for your kids, if you've got elderly parents to care for, if you've got dogs to W-A-L-K, and Ellie said it. Then we plan in your HVAs, your high value activities. I know some people like to think of this as, you know, the 80-20 rule, the 20% activity that gets 80% of your results, however you want to think of it. And then everything else. Then we drop in everything else. Then the busy work. Because if we don't prioritise that, everything else just prioritises itself. I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Michael Jerber's E-Myth, and the different roles, manager, uh, sorry, entrepreneur, manager, worker. I also ask my Thrive Together members when they're planning their week that's upcoming to consider who is the best role, who is the best person, entrepreneur, manager, worker, to take on that job that you are tasking in your calendar. Because in the moment that you feel like you have to do it all right this second, that's just your worker taking over. The manager needs to step in and prioritise, push back, delegate, delete the things that shouldn't be done right now. And so we enable ourselves to become intentional with our time. And that's the question. What do you need to let go of? So that's tip number two. Tip number three is a little bit more challenging. (laughs) I'm ramping it up with each tip. Tip number three is... Let them feel the discomfort. Yes, it's a hard one, but I'm going to say it. The people who are doing your head in, constantly stealing your time, constantly hijacking you, you are likely enabling them. I'm going to say that again. You are likely enabling them. A lot of leaders that I work with, they think that their job is to motivate and support their people, and it is, but that does not necessarily mean that their people are constantly going to be happy, yeah? They confuse employee engagement with employee happiness, and I couldn't disagree more. When I led a team, some of them were as far as Australia. I would actively say to them, I love you. I think that you are absolutely epic. I want you on my team and I want us to have a great relationship. It actually does matter to me that you like me. I'm a human and it matters to me that we can get on. But I also understand that part of my role is to make decisions that will not always make you happy, that you're not always going to be happy with. And I have to accept that. That's my role. And so do you. This doesn't mean that you have to be an arsehole, but know this, if you're busy and you know that you've got a people-pleasing problem or an issue with people-pleasing that comes from a place of not feeling good enough, it's likely to be one of the key factors around you not having enough time. Let me give you an example. In a recent client call, my one-to-one client, I'll call her Jen for the sake of anonymity, She is one of two directors and they jointly own a very successful business. I'll call the other director, Michael. Michael hardly checks his messages, missed calls, mails. And therefore, Jen finds herself 
constantly picking up the slack with the whole workforce and clients, right? To be clear, Jen does not feel comfortable having a discussion with Michael around this. She's tried it before and she's been met with everything from patronising nods to keep her sweet with no actual change, all the way through to being steamrolled and shut down. It's uncomfortable, right? It's an uncomfortable conversation. And only last week, it got to the point where Jen ended up taking a call from one of Michael's direct reports in the evening, asking her a question about an important client meeting that was the following day, right? And the employee asked Jen a question that only Michael knew the answer to. So she ends up calling Michael, asking him the question, and then going back to Michael's member of staff to give them the answer. And when she finally got back to the member of staff, by this time it was around about half nine at night, the member of staff then said, oh, it's fine now. You took so long to get back to me. I actually just found the document where it's all detailed and just followed those instructions. (laughs) And Jen was furious. She was bitter. She was resentful. And she was bloody hungry. She hadn't eaten yet. Michael, however, was none the wiser. And the employee didn't give a shit. They had what they needed for their meeting the next day. And this is the thing. When people have a problem, they are like water. They follow the easiest path, the path of least resistance, the path that requires the least effort. And sometimes that means using you as a tool to make their path easier. And this is the thing that I want to say, and I might even say this twice. It's not their job to uphold your boundaries. That's your job. It's not their job to uphold your boundaries. That's your job. So when we when we were coaching around it, we were talking about what Jen might do differently next time. And the concept that I introduced to her was letting them feel the discomfort instead of her. Jen explained to me that she didn't want the employee to have the same experience as she had had with Michael when she approached him about his poor communication. And then equally, when I asked Jen if it was appropriate for the member of staff to have left it all the way up until the evening before the important meeting to get the information. She said, no, but that's just the way it is in our business. Michael is the worst for it. And then his team just follows suit. And this is where I want to say to you all, every single one of you listening, leaders, listen, you cast a shadow. You set the tone. You are the leader of your business and the culture in that business. It absolutely is not do as I say, not as I do. So what was my advice to Jen? My advice to Jen with love was let them feel the discomfort. So practically, what might that look like? For Michael, it might have meant feeling the discomfort from an angry employee, not being able to contact him when they needed the information. Even getting that pissed off that they might have left the business because his communication was so poor, you know? And therefore, for the business, it might have meant losing a really high performer because of that. Perhaps the lesson that Michael needs in this situation comes from that happening in order to change his behaviour. Yeah. For the employee, it might mean not leaving it till last minute next time. Perhaps that's their lesson. You know, for the employee, it might mean having a straight conversation with Michael and both of them feeling that discomfort. But what was happening actually is Jen was stepping in to save the day 
to save the others from feeling that discomfort. So she took that discomfort on herself and in vain too, because turns out by the time she actually got back to them, they found it out themselves. You know, notice how the employee actually knew where the information lived. They found the document and the instruction. They just couldn't be asked looking. It was actually easier just to give Jen a quick call. They said that to Jen. It was just easier to call you. It wasn't easier for Jen. She lost her evening that evening. And that was the day that she committed to setting and upholding boundaries. That was the day that she decided once and for all to stop people pleasing. And part of this is mindset work. Part of this is about identity and why you people please and that deeper stuff. But the other part of this is not. The other part of this is about the practical tips around, well, what, you know, in building this new non-people pleasing habit, what do I do? What do I say? So here are a few micro tips for you to take away. When you pick up the phone, instead of saying hello and then just taking on their whole phone call, why don't you try saying, hello, I'm right in the middle of something right now, or I've got a meeting soon that I'm preparing for, is what you're calling about going to take longer than five minutes because I might have to call you back? Like, as soon as you pick up the phone, can you, in a nice way, with a nice tone, so you're not perceived to be being cold and standoffish, which I know you're worried about, can you let them know that you don't have the time for a longer call right now? Yeah. Or when the email comes in, rather than picking up, picking it up and responding straight away, can you either leave it, <laughs> which I know that some of you really struggle to do, and you might have to at the beginning of the week, mail your team and let them know, hey, look, I'm only going to be picking up emails at two o'clock each day. Set the tone. Or maybe you pick that email up, but instead of responding and putting your time into it, maybe you just email them back and say, I'm just letting you know, I've got your email, I can see it's important, I'm going to be responding as soon as I've got time to. And if you wanted to take this a step further, what you can then do is put a time slot in your own calendar as to when you're actually going to look at their email and respond. And to take that a step further... I used to do this. To take that a step further, you can then invite them as an FYI to that meeting in your calendar where you've booked the time out for yourself to look at their email so that they know when you're going to be looking at that, but also so that they know this is going to take your time. It doesn't just get magicked out of thin air, you know? <laughs> but that's the thing, isn't it, about time? That is the thing. If you don't respect your time, don't expect them to either. And I suppose that's the resounding comment from tip number three. If you don't respect your time, don't expect them to either. And that leads me on to the last tip. Tip number four, stop hijacking yourself. <laughs> so I did say in tip number one that they, that they link and they absolutely do. I've told you that in power planning, we intrinsically link our goals and we plan our time based on what we know that we have on our plate at the same time as keeping one foot in the future. One of my clients likes to call it being her future friend. I love that. But what about when you set your goals and you've done your planning, but the person hijacking your time is actually you? <laughs> this looks like 
you said that you wanted to exercise more this week, but now it's Saturday and you've done no exercise. You said that you wanted to read a chapter of the book, but you didn't get around to it. You planned your week out, but by Tuesday evening, it's all gone to shit. You've overplanned. You've put too much in the calendar with no buffer. You've underplanned. You've left your plans too loose, too vague. You're waiting to feel motivated or inspired. You know, all of these things are examples of you hijacking your own time. And like I said in a recent live module, so for those of you who are Thrive Together members, the module is called How to Stop Beating Yourself Up. It's inside the live replay, um, the live, yeah, the live replay workshop section. The answer to this is to being committed to building self-trust. And this is a really important one that I really want you to spend some time on yourself, whether you're a Thrive Together member or not. What I was asking, because I can chat to you when it's a live module, what I was asking in that module was, if you were going to employ someone into your team, what are the top behavioural traits that you will look for? And the words that came up were words like trustworthy, reliable, does what they say they were going to do, which fascinates me because in the same breath, in the same chat, what my members were also admitting to is that they didn't trust themselves. They didn't feel like they could rely on themselves to do what they said they were going to do, right? And so that's why self-trust is so important because if we deplete self-trust, it becomes an identity thing. It becomes a thing where inside, internally, subconsciously, we are basically saying to ourselves, I can't trust myself to follow up on the thing I said I was going to do. And each time that we don't do what we said we were going to do, we break that self-trust down bit by bit. In Stephen Stephen Habits, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he refers to it as taking pennies out of the emotional bank account. So to combat this, I want you, when you're planning your week ahead, I want you to plan as though you're not going to feel like doing what you've planned to do. As though you're not going to be motivated, as though you're not going to be inspired, as though you're not going to be able to be asked to do it, or there's going to be other things that are taking precedence. I want you to plan with that in mind. Honestly, I can't tell you the amount of times I've hijacked myself by telling myself, I'll do it later, manana. And we all know, I'm not going to do it later. I'm not, I'm going to say I'm going to do it later, but I'm not going to do it later. So instead, because I know that about myself, I can plan accordingly. I can plan and prepare as though I won't feel like it. And this is linked to the point I made earlier about my client, because I don't want you to work off a to-do list. I don't want you to do it. A to-do list, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. I know you guys that are listening to this podcast, your leaders, your business owners, there is so much to do and it never ends. And you actually never feel like you're going to finish or get anywhere because things just keep on getting added to the list by either yourself or the people in your life and in your business that are around you. And so what happens when you're working off a to-do list is you get overwhelmed and then you hijack yourself in this overwhelm by not doing anything at all. You scroll, you watch Netflix, you numb out by eating or drinking or whatever it is. By the way, I'm not saying that those activities aren't good ones to do. 
but they're not good ones to do if they are masking a problem, if you're not being intentional with them, right? I can clearly, personally, I can clearly remember a time when I felt overwhelmed. It was when I was setting up my business and more specifically, I was setting up the website and I was so overwhelmed in that time. It was such a learning curve for me. And when I look back on that, I can see why. If I looked at my calendar during that time, the way that I would block book my time is by having a chunk of like two hours and it would just say, work on the website. No specifics, that was it. But the thing is, there were probably like 367 things to do on the website. But instead of listing them down and literally like planning that time in accordingly, I just wrote work on the website. And that sent my brain (laughs) into a frenzy where I would feel so overwhelmed, I wouldn't actually get anything done. And I remember once the website was complete, my physiology, my, um, I don't know, my wiring was actually used to feeling overwhelmed. So when the website was done and actually there wasn't 367 things to do anymore, I actually started filling my time because I was used to feeling overwhelmed and I had to almost wean myself off. (laughs) This is bizarre, but it was true. Like I had to wean myself off feeling overwhelmed. I did, I noticed at the time, I just started like populating my calendar with stuff to do. Not because it was really important or it was the 20% that was gonna get me the 80% results, just because I was used to being busy. So, I think this is a really important point and I would love it if you would reflect on this yourself and think about how you are hijacking your own time. And finally on this point, I wanna share some feedback from a one-to-one client with you because this work, this, this work that I'm talking about with you today, it can feel hard and it can feel like if you're doing this work and you're wanting to grow as a leader, at times it can feel a little bit like you're treading water And it reminds me of the amazing book um, by a guy called Jeff Olson called The Slight Edge. Um, If you haven't read that, I really recommend that. I'll link it in the show notes. But my client said, so she's recently celebrated some massive financial success only just this last week in her business. And here's what her feedback was. She said, the work I've done with you is a revelation, Nick. Every little step that you've guided me through is inching me forward. It's like you've made me aware of another dimension. It blows my mind to think of how far I've come. The invisible progress just starts to compound with consistency, doesn't it? And I was like, oh my God, she's so right. It is invisible progress. It's messy and shitty and it feels rubbish at times. You know, growth really does feel vulnerable but it really does compound with consistency so if you are going to implement any of anything I've said in this in this episode today please know the change and growth can take time and please know that I am always cheering you on I hope you enjoyed this episode today I love the tips episode so I hope that you do too Before you go, if the content today made you go, yes, this is exactly the growth and support that I want, why don't you consider working with me? 
I work with leaders on a one-to-one basis or inside my group membership, Thrive Together. You can find all of the details over on tlb.org.uk or I'll link it in the show notes. And lastly, if you're not already subscribed, what are you doing? Please do so you don't miss another episode. And for those of you who are, I will see you in the next episode.